We're turning this morning to the book of Matthew, Matthew's Gospel, and to chapter 22. Matthew and chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. And Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parable and said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. Again he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. But they made light of it, went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth. And he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready. But they which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all, as many as they found, both bad and good. And the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Amen. We thank the Lord for this reading once again of his word. Let's bow our heads and ask help. Now, Father, we come before thee. We pray that your word may resonate within our own thinking, in our minds, in our hearts, that we might be challenged by it. Lord, that we might recognize it as being a revelation from the Son of God himself unto our hearts and to our souls. We are mindful that Paul in the book of Romans warns the Gentiles that if the natural branches were broken off and they were grafted in, beware lest through a lack of faith they also be broken off. Lord, we pray that thou wilt help us then to take in thy word and and make, as Peter says, our calling and election sure. Bless us then. We ask thee and continue with us now. And touch our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So the context is very important here. The chapter just before is speaking, as we see in verse 45, and when the chief priests and Pharisees heard this parable, they perceived that he spake of them. So he is speaking to the scribes or the chief priests and the Pharisees here who are gathered around him. He has given some um, parables already, a parable being an allegory in many ways. Um, It's speaking of something specific. We have to be very careful when we take parables that we don't try to assign every element uh, some meaning. Uh, There's not always a meaning to every element of a parable. You have to take into mind the context and what Jesus was saying, why he was saying it. 
and what was the purpose of the parable and we will do so here and we are we are doing so in fact in a in a way because we are thinking about who he spoke these things to to the chief priests and the pharisees but here he brings forth this parable uh, concerning the wedding which a king had made for his son there is of course a significance in that and then he speaks of those who refused the invitation and how the invitation was made a second time how that those who brought that invitation were despitefully used then also how they went out into the highways and bid others into the wedding both bad and good we see in verse 10 and then concerning the one who had not on a wedding garment so i want to consider this again under three heads of all the event represented uh, the invitation which is referenced and the individual which is rejected the, the event represented of course uh, is the marriage supper of the lamb uh, the the lord here is speaking about that day in which the judgment of god would come and the people would be gathered in uh, to the presence of the lord uh, i've already said that it's important that we don't seek to assign everything uh, a purpose or a meaning and of course this particular parable is not about who is the bride it is who are bidden to the wedding and so it is taken from a different uh, angle from some of the parables which are told and some of the representations particularly in revelation of the marriage supper of the lamb now there we have the bride the lamb's wife represented here the uh, the people are considered under the um, mark of guests to the wedding and so here we find that the the king sends forth those to call them that were bidden we see in verse 3 and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding and they would not come so there's a great significance here uh, the significance is that the promises of god and the apostle paul also makes mention of this in in romans that they were first and foremost to the jews to the jew first and also to the gentiles the promises of god of course were given to the nation of israel over the years uh, they were the ones whom the lord had set apart from the rest of the world for the purpose of revealing unto them the things which would were to come and because they were the ones who suffered many things at the hands of the world because of the uh, because of the work of god remember uh, that it is the lord who is rejected uh, finally and not just the people <coughs> that because they had suffered those things they were the ones who were first invited the apostle on three occasions says to the two to the jew first and also to the gentile and there's a significance in that and the lord jesus christ himself of course said that the son of man is not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of israel it was to the house of israel first and the lord jesus was not to go out to the gentiles but the works that he did his disciples would do and greater works than these would they do greater works in the fact that they were to go out into all the world they were to preach the gospel to the whole world and not just to the the small nation of israel but we find here that the significance then is that he is speaking of them they they had already noted in verse five when they heard of it they perceived that he spake of them on that occasion he is speaking about the the lord of the vineyard and the things which were given into their hand 
Paul says in Romans, what advantage then hath the Jew? Uh, chiefly that unto them were committed the oracles of God. They had, they had everything which they needed to be able to, rep- to recognize the Lord Jesus Christ and the Savior and the Messiah and, and all the things which were promised in him. And yet they would not give up before the Lord. And they held these things and would not even share them. In fact, as we saw there from the Acts, the, the, the Jews then, after Paul and Barnabas were preaching, uh, uh, opposed them. They blasphemed and they uh, argued against everything that Paul and Barnabas were saying. They were, became the enemies of the gospel rather than the recipients of the gospel. There is great significance in this event then. It is the time when the marriage of the son is come. Uh, the, the picture of the, the people of God married to God himself in the person of Jesus Christ comes all the way through the scripture. Uh, we think of the, the, the very beginning of the world where Adam and Eve uh, were separated and they were made one flesh. Uh, they were joined together and on the basis of it the Lord Jesus says in Matthew 19 verses 4 and 5 then he answered and said unto them have ye not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female and said for this cause shall a man leave father and mother and shall cleave to his wife and they twain shall be one flesh right from the very foundation of the world here is this picture of the joining of God's people to himself through Jesus Christ, that there would be a uniting. And this uh, is represented here in this parable. Parable, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son. This is the, the event which is represented then, this great day when all of this is fulfilled, when the time will be that we will come into the presence of the Lord. And the gospel has gone forth. The gospel went forth, first of all, to the Jews, as it says here, for those who were bidden to the wedding, but they would not come. We think, again, in Genesis, in chapter 24, uh, we read there of how that the servant of Abraham went out to find a wife for Isaac and went and uh, found Rebekah. The Lord uh, led him. I being in the way, the Lord led me. And Rebecca was found, and the question was asked her, Wilt thou go with this man? Now, there's the question. And that's the gospel, isn't it? Uh, the, the, the very gospel is there in a nutshell. Wilt thou go with this man? Wilt thou go with Jesus Christ? And she said, I will go. She had not met him in person. She had only heard about him. And very much like us, we have not met Jesus in person. We have only heard about him. We have read about him, and we have spoken to him, and perhaps we could say we have a message from him to ourselves, but we have not met him, as it were, in person. We have not looked upon him. We shall, in that day, uh, John says in the first epistle of John, then we shall see him face to face. To face. We shall see him as he is. So there is a significance in the event here, first of all, and there's a solemnity to this event as well because as we have said it is the the man and the woman who are brought together uh, one of the things about today of course is marriage has been made uh, to be with between any two people uh, and even uh, further uh, 
departures than that. Uh, people have sought to marry their dogs and cats and all sorts of things, uh, strange and weird things. But this is all an attack upon the gospel. It's an attack upon God. It's a blasphemy against God. God says that, and Jesus says particularly, and it's not exactly as it is written in Genesis, when Jesus answered them and said, Have ye not heard at the beginning, uh, beginning made them male and female, and said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Paul, of course, takes this up in the book of Ephesians and he speaks about how that we should love our wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And then, of course, there is John in the book of Revelation speaking of the marriage supper of the Lamb and the Lord Jesus Christ here speaking in a similar way. And indeed, many of the prophets also speak about Israel uh, of the time as being the, the uh, consort of the Lord and how that Israel played the harlot and departed from the Lord and committed adultery against the Lord. So the event represented then is to come into the presence of God in that day and to rejoice with him and these are bidden. And the Lord, of course, is going through the land of Israel in these days and he is preaching and he is saying that the day has come. The redemption is here. Salvation has arrived. The kingdom of, of heaven is present. And they rejected him. And there in the previous chapter, chapter 21 and verse 42, we read, uh, Did ye never read in the scripture the stone which the builders rejected? The same is become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. The stone which the builders rejected. And the Jews, of course, rejected the very cornerstone of the whole thing. They accepted all the little stones, uh, but they misinterpreted. And of course, without a cornerstone, uh, the rest of the stones don't really amount to much. They are just stones because there's no foundation to build them on. Uh, they would just uh, collapse. It's very important to have a firm foundation. The Lord Jesus making reference to that, of course, in the, in the uh, parable of the wise man and the foolish man building their houses upon the rock or upon the sand. The second thing here, then, is the invitation which is referenced. Uh, first of all, the privileged invitation. This privileged invitation. The privileged invitation, of course, being to the Jew first. Uh, here is Jesus himself. Jesus himself did not go to the Gentiles. That's, that's an amazing thing when we think about it. Since from the foundation of the world, from uh, the very time of Adam and Eve, the promise was that, the, that, that all the nations of the earth would be blessed. The promise to Abraham was likewise that all the nations of the earth would be blessed. It is repeated throughout the prophets uh, that the Lord would bless all the nations of the earth through Jesus Christ that he would take away the blessing from the nation of Israel and give it to another nation, uh, which is a significant word. I don't know which nation people might consider that to be if it's not the nation of those who are the elect of God, who are the children of God. But here we see that he, has, uh, he is speaking of this uh, invitation, which is referenced, first of all, to this privileged people, to Israel, and particularly to those who should have known best what that invitation was to the chief priests and the Pharisees who prided themselves in knowing the scriptures. 
who prided themselves in being the best of the people. And again, in Romans 1.16, the Apostle Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. To the Jew first. And that was exactly what the Lord was saying here. And it says that he sent forth, verse 3, his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. Again, he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. At the risk of uh, assigning things, which I've just said at the beginning of this, uh, of this message, we should not, shouldn't try to assign everything uh, a meaning. At, at the risk of, of going against my own advice, uh, it just occurs to me that the Lord had sent forth the prophets of the Old Testament and they had prophesied to Israel for many years and now he had sent forth his own disciples, the, the prophets, if you like, or the proclaimers of the New Testament to them and they reject them also. And indeed, the, 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 those of the New Testament were taken, they were entreated spitefully and they were slain. There were those who made light of the invitation. They went their ways, one to his farm or field, the word there uh, being uh, actually field, but the farm, of course, is a field, so uh, either word will do, and another to his merchandise. They were about their business. They weren't interested in this invitation of the gospel. They were privileged. And we read together from Acts 13 and how that the... Apostle says to those uh, who were there, he says, Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said it was necessary, necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you, that is to the Jews. But seeing ye put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. And again, here we see that the Lord uh, says something similar in verse 8. Then said he to his servants, the wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. They were not worthy. They judged themselves unworthy. They, they set themselves as being unworthy. They rejected the gospel, though the invitation was set before them. Though Jesus himself, the very son, the very bridegroom was there and said to them, come to the wedding. They rejected him and indeed put him to death. And we see then also in that preceding parable in chapter 21 in verse 37. But last of all, he sent unto them his son, saying, they will reverence my son. But when the husband men saw the son, they said among themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and let us seize on his inheritance. They caught him, cast him out of the vineyard and slew him. So here again, this is a, the same parable. Uh, thought which is that the lord is putting across here they rejected him it was a privileged invitation but they rejected him we might further say of those who attend churches across this country and perhaps are not saved you have a privileged invitation a privileged invitation in that it comes to you week by week believe on the lord jesus christ and thou shalt be saved now what will you do with that invitation 
And then we might say even further if we spread it even thinner across this country. What blessings has this country known of all the nations of the earth? And yet here we find that that invitation has been slighted by many. And there are many who would like to hear no more of the gospel of Jesus Christ and hear no more of the word of God. And they are unworthy. They count themselves unworthy. So this privileged invitation is given first. It is given to the nation of Israel. It is given to the people uh, whom God had chosen and given them the scriptures and had been with them and had, uh, and had produced many a miraculous uh, working in their midst. Not always miracle workers, but miracles nevertheless. Uh, where nations had fallen, where nations had fled at the sound of nothing, where God had stood and, and defeated nations, sometimes with... Uh, uh, with the hailstones from the sky, uh, setting back the time on a number of occasions, mighty things have been done for that nation. They had seen all of this, and yet they rejected him. And then the invitation referenced is a secondary, and that is this passionate invitation. Passionate, a passion, of course, is, is a, an excitement, an excitement either uh, to anger or an excitement to joy. It can be either a passion is something which takes hold of a person. And the word used here in verse 7, of course, is that when the king heard thereof, he was wroth. And he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. And saith he to his servants, the wedding is ready. Of course, there's a, a, a little cameo there, perhaps, in verse 7 of the fact that Israel itself would soon fall. Just in some 40 years' time after the death of Christ, in AD 70, that Israel itself was sacked and the, the temple was destroyed and the people were scattered and the Lord was wroth because they had rejected the gospel which he had sent to them. Then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find bid to the marriage. So the servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good, and the wedding was furnished with guests. So here that we, we see this picture of the, the servants going forth uh, to anywhere and just finding people at random. And we kind of think that, don't we, when we, when we consider the gospel, how the Lord saves people, to us anyway, uh, the Lord knows who they are, but to us it seems it's at it's a random. There are people from all walks of life. There are people of all characters. There are people who have come from the, the deepest depths of sin. There are people who seem to be upstanding citizens. But of course, in all of these things, sin is the one thing that we all share together. Sin has taken some further than perhaps it has taken others. But it's taken us all. We have all come short of the glory of God. And so here this uh, bidding to the marriage goes out into the highways. Or the uh, uh, and, and the byways. In fact, the the Greek here is a word which means the branch roads. So all the little lanes where the people might be, they were to go out and they were to bring the people in, both the bad and the good. And there's a significance in those words, I think, because when they came to the wedding in verse eleven, it speaks about the wedding garment, and it seems that everybody that was bidden to the wedding was to wear the garment that the king had provided. 
And so whether they were poor, whether they were rich, whether they were good, whether they were bad, whatever their situation was, they all wore the same thing. There was a uniform. There was a uniform. There was a uniformity about them. And so it is, of course, within the church of Jesus Christ. There is not one who is in the sight of the king better than another because we all wear the righteousness of Christ. And that is the significance, of course, here. So as many as were found, it was a personal thing. Uh, they were to speak to individuals. And of course, it is a personal thing. Uh, we don't speak to great groups of people and say, well, come as a group. Uh, a group of, of train spotters, for instance, or, or plane spotters we see an awful lot of around here. Uh, and if you can come as a group or the scout movement, come as a group. But it's individuals, every individual who is approached with the gospel is bidden to come. And these are people from the byways. These are people who don't know each other. They are all drawn in together and they are provided with a wedding garment that they might come because the wedding is ready. Uh, verse 8, then saith he to his servants, the wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not, were not worthy. So everyone, and it seems that this was always the purpose of the king, that those who were bidden also would wear the wedding garment which he had provided, so that they would all be together. And in the context of the scripture, of course, we, we read about being clothed upon uh, with, the Holy, with the Holy Ghost, uh, being uh, clothed with the robe of righteousness, of, of the robe of Christ's righteousness. And these are the things which they were to be provided and that's a wonderful thing, too, in the gospel, that whoever you may be, whether you be uh, someone who understands all of these things, perhaps brought up in the church, never been to a church in your life, uh, taught some other uh, religion or some other philosophy, always been a follower of it. It doesn't matter who you are, because the ground upon which we stand in the presence of the king is the righteousness of Christ. We are provided a garment. It is not what you have done. It is not what you are capable of doing. It is not the strength of your character or the weakness of your character. It is the righteousness of Christ that we wear when we are bidden to this wedding. And so the wedding is ready. And the people who are bidden are individuals from all around. Then there's a kind of a, a segue to, a, to a, something particular within the wedding. It's almost a parable within a parable. Because it tells us then, uh, as the king came in to see the guests, he saw that there was a man which had not on a wedding garment. And this is the individual who is to be rejected from the midst of them. First of all, we could say, what was his appearance at the gathering? In other words, why was he there? Now, there's a good question. Why was he there? If he had been of, the, of those who had first been bidden to the, mat, to the wedding and would not come... And then we might ask the question, well, uh, was he not therefore not welcome after that? Obviously he had not been slain. The, Lord, the, the, the king had sent forth his armies and destroyed the murderers and burned up their city. So he was still alive and he was there amongst them. Was it that he had received an invitation and rejected it? Well, he hadn't rejected it because he was there. So it doesn't seem that that was the purpose of this man who had come. Uh, was this an, uh, an observer, uh, perhaps someone who is, uh, who is come there to make a mockery? 
Uh, that, that is possible because the murderers were slain, but not everybody. Uh, and perhaps he was one of these who was bidden, and he still didn't particularly want to go there, but he thought this should be a bit of a laugh. We'll go and see who the king has brought. And there are many, of course, who mock at the salvation of the Lord and mock at the very picture of the wedding uh, feast of Jesus Christ, the marriage Sodom, perhaps. That is the thought here, that this man had come to look upon them, to observe them, to mock that they were there. These people who had no breeding, who had no manners, people from the highways and the hedges, people who uh, were the unwashed in the, in the sight of the Pharisees and of the chief priests. But when they come in, they find that they are all dressed and they are all dressed in the same garments and the garments are, are, are perfect. Uh, they always come across into my mind as being white. I, I, it doesn't say they were white, but that's the way it always appears to me. And so he comes in and he sees them. And then we ask the question, well, uh, what, what was his appearance? Uh, not just why did he appear there, but what did he appear like when he came in there? Now, if he's of the, of the chief priests and the Pharisees, if that is what Jesus is saying here, and it certainly seems that that is what he is saying here, then they would have come dressed in their own robes. And what do you wear to a wedding? If you've been to a wedding, uh, you will know that it is a time, even for the men, uh, or it always has been anyway, it's getting a bit... Uh, um, changed in these days people don't care very much about anything but always used to be that they would be dressed and they would be dressed in a suit perhaps and they would be tidy and they would come in with the best that they had uh, and they would come and they would uh, seek to be like everybody else there and I know that in the weddings of my uh, sons and daughter uh, that my wife would be looking for a new dress and a new hat and and all of the accoutrements that went with it, bags and shoes and one thing or another, and we dress well. So in the context here then, perhaps what is being said by the Lord Jesus is that the one who had come into the wedding had come expecting to mingle with the guests, and he had come in his finery. Now I'm suggesting to you, and I, I think that you will probably agree with me, that, that here, if he is coming in to mock... He is coming to see these people who gathered off the streets. And he has come in his finery and he's come in his, in his best clothes. And he comes in amongst them and he is looking around at them and perhaps wondering why everybody's dressed in the same thing. Even perhaps thinking in his mind, well, they're not dressed very well, but look at me. And we know that the Lord Jesus in other places talks about the, 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 uh, the chief priests and the Pharisees and how they stood on the street corners and uh, how they paraded themselves and how they uh, practically said to everyone, well, look at me. And perhaps he had come in there in that way in his own, in his own garments. And we, we have to liken them to, to, the, to his pride. And surely the best that we have, we do go in, in a kind of a pride. The, these are my garments. I'm looking good. I'm looking well. My hair's brushed. I'm not sure it is, but my hair's brushed. My face is washed. And uh, I, I'm looking good. And here he comes in his pride into the midst of them in the best that he has. But of course, when he comes into this wedding, the best that he has stands out in stark contrast to the wedding garment that is given to everybody else. 
And the king sees him immediately. And he comes to him and he says, How camest thou in thither without a wedding garment? And he is speechless. There are many who have said, Well, if that ever happens to me, I will say this, I will say that. He won't say anything. Because the conviction will not just be the conviction which God and the, and the sentence which God gives against you, the conviction will be also from within. And it's those times, perhaps if you have children, when you catch them actually in the act of doing something and you say to them, what are you doing? And they stop and they don't have anything to say. Because what can they say? They're doing something, they knew it wasn't right, and they've been caught. And that is the state that we will all be in if we do not know Christ, if we have not a wedding garment. So his appearance of his garment is best apparel. But Isaiah 64, 6 says, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. So if we seek to appear in the presence of God with our own righteousness and not with Christ's righteousness, then how shall we stand in the day that the king looks upon us? We will stand out in stark contrast to those who are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And what does he say? Verse 13, Then said the king to his servants, Bind him hand and foot, Take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. There is an antagonism here. There is a grievance. There is a grievance of the king against those who would come into his midst and mock. A grievance of the king of of those who would come without the garment that he had provided. They had despised it. They had rejected it. They had come in their own way. They had climbed up. If we use the picture of the shepherds, they would, had climbed up some other way as thieves and robbers. And now was the time to be that they should be cast out. And it says there would be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The picture which comes to most minds of the weeping and gnashing of teeth is people who are very sorry, very repentant, very sorry for what they had done. But when we read of the gnashing of teeth in the scripture, it is always in anger. Remember Stephen, when he preached to the people and uh, they gnashed on him with their teeth. They were angry. They sought to slay him, to destroy him. And of course, there is not repentance in hell. There is not uh, sorriness for sin in hell. There is anger. There is wrath. There is the desire to kill and to destroy, but nothing can be done. And the frustration which follows, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The weeping of frustration, the anger at God, the anger at themselves, the anger at each other, and all those vices that we consider of the world will be unleashed but they will be unleashed in a place where nothing can be done about them well this man was cast out then the question must come 
as the Lord sets these things before the chief priests and the Pharisees, who, it seems, continued to reject him, and rejected him until he was dead, until they'd slain him, and rejected him continually. Some at least, perhaps there were a few, uh, who repented and who turned to Christ. But these who rejected him were lost. And the gospel comes to us, and the, the time to receive it is today. The Bible says today is the accepted time. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. The invitation comes. The invitation comes to you, and you can be saved if you call upon him today. Accept the invitation. Call upon the name of the Lord. Don't think to yourself, well, what will I wear in the presence of God? For the Lord himself provides the garment. The garment is the righteousness of Christ. The salvation is complete and full. And not one of those of the bad and the good who were in the presence of the king was cast out into outer darkness, but the one who came with his own garment. Your own garment is not good enough. Your own garment will not save you. Your own garment will not be acceptable, but only the righteousness of Christ. May the Lord bless his word to us.